using an overpriced trash bag. Pricey, pricey, pricey. A bag that breaks. Whippy, whippy, whippy. Or a smelly bag. Stinky, stinky, stinky. Time to switch to hefty, ultra-strong trash bags, always at an ultra-low price. They're our best bags yet, and they cost less than Glad Force Flex were sold head to head. So you'll be happy, happy, happy. Hefty Ultra Strong with Arm and Hammer Odor Control. Available at Sam's Club. Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome. You're listening to the Change Agents Dilemma for Tuesday, February 18th, 2014. I'm your host, Heather Stagel, coming to you live from Atlanta, Georgia, as I do once a month on Blog Talk Radio. This show is one of the many ways I help equip individuals and teams to influence organizational change at Inclaria. Before we get started, I'd like to let you know about a webinar that's coming up next week on Wednesday, February 26th, called Uncover and Reduce Resistance. I'm going to talk about the symptoms of resistance, you know, how do you know that resistance is there when you're trying to implement change, but also what are the underlying sources of resistance, and what do you do about those? So if you're interested in learning more and in re- registering for that, please visit inclaria.com events. Now, the Change Agents Dilemma is how to influence change without authority, and my goal with this show is to share ideas and stories to help you do just that. Today, my guest is Dottie Posto, who is here to discuss how to design breakthrough change communication. Dottie is an organizational development consultant with over 20 years' experience in leadership and team development, communications, training, coaching, change management, and facilitation. She has held consulting and management positions in organizational development as well as change management in service, consulting, consumer packaged goods, and manufacturing organizations including the Chicago Tribune, Hewitt Associates, and Harley-Davidson. Dottie's creativity and innovation is evident in the communication, learning, reinforcement, and measurement plans she develops for her client projects. These plans facilitate engagement and ownership that ensure the change is sustained. Dottie holds both Facilitation Master and Change Master certifications from LaMarche and Associates. She is also a qualified facilitator of the Myers-Briggs Self-Discovery Process and Human Synergistics Leadership and Cultural Assessments. Dottie, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm excited to be here today. Great. And you're joining us from Chile, Milwaukee. Yes, I am. Wisconsin, we just right? Got about, yeah, <laughs> Milwaukee, Wisconsin. We just got about eight inches of snow, depending on where you were. And so it is a beautiful, white, snowy winter morning. Great. Well, thanks for joining me here. So we're talking about breakthrough change communications. And so I want to just start with what are some of the challenges of communicating change? So there are several challenges when there is a change going on in an organization. And uh, the first one that I'll mention is the culture of the organization. Um, because if the, depending on what the culture of communication, what the culture of decision-making is, what the culture of leadership is, will depend on the level of trust, the level of accountability, and the level of transparency in the organization. So one of the challenges of break, communicating changes, is there the level of transparency with leadership to be willing to communicate with the target audience, with the stakeholders, what's going on, when it's going on, without waiting and holding back. 
So that's one of them. There's a, a fear in some organizations of that, that I always call the don't tell them anything until you know everything syndrome. And so they want to hold back <laughs> until they've got everything figured out. Have you heard that before? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, they, they want to hold back. They don't want to share where they're at right now because they don't have all the answers. And, and that's a big challenge when, you're, when you are not willing to share where the change is at the moment, where the leadership is in discovering the solutions and those things. And, and so that, to me, is another big challenge. Another challenge is the communications not coming from the right person. So oftentimes they'll relegate the development of communications to somebody on the change team. And oftentimes the communications then will go out from that person. And it is a challenge when, when the right communications aren't coming from the right person. So some communications very, you know, very obviously need to come from the sponsor. Sometimes the sponsor can empower other people in the organization to be their communicator. And that needs to be done publicly. If they, if they don't publicly delegate someone, then people are going to continue to look to that sponsor for confirmation that the sponsor is on board with the change, that they um, empower the change team to actually develop and implement the change. So those are a few of the challenges. I think a couple of others are um, the audience. Have we really assessed... Um, who the audience is, what is the makeup of the audience, and are we creating messages for those different audiences? You know, sometimes we, we get lazy, I'll say, or time is just so short that <clears throat> excuse me, we develop one communication and that one communication goes to all audiences. So that's another challenge yeah. when we're not um, looking at who the different audience audiences are, and what do they need to hear, and is it coming in their language? Interesting. And we also, we titled this um, How to Design Breakthrough Change Communication, and so there's some element of, you know, what is this breakthrough piece? What are we breaking through? So one of the things when we look at what we're trying to break through, um, one of them is breaking through to the audience because the audience has so much coming at them in their normal day-to-day life. So one of the things that we're trying to do is to break through the plethora of messages that are coming to the people that we need to communicate with. So that's one thing about breakthrough communication. Another thing about breakthrough communication is breaking out of the norm. You know, if, if everything in the company generally comes through email, how can we use other sources, other means to communicate with the target audiences to catch their attention, to have them be able to understand and take ownership of the change in their particular areas. Because that's when we've we've created breakthrough communications, then our audience is starting to take ownership for the change. Our targets are creating a pull for that change um, in a number of different ways. Does that make sense? So that element of ownership, it sounds like there's a piece that it's not just communicating change one direction. You're not just telling people, but it sounds like there's another element there. 
absolutely. And and that's one of the but, ways yeah. that you can tell that you you've actually broken through to people is through some of the feedback loops that you you know that you create. And to me, that's one of that's a critical element of communication, not just pushing communication out to a target audience. It's creating both formal and informal feedback loops. So from a an informal perspective, um, some of the things I've done in the past, I will just pick up the phone and call a couple people I know and say, and just ask them, you know, how they what their perception is of the change, how they think the change is moving along, um, how their group is impacted. It might be water cooler conversations. It might be, you know, just passing, you know, and passing in the hall, talking with folks. Folks. There's also formal ways to get those feedback loops as well. One of the ways. Um, that I've done that in the past is we've had um, something, you know, at a town hall meeting, we pass out just a, a simple two to four question survey that assesses the impact of the message on the audience. And so we might ask them about their perception of the project, you know, something about what, what the impact was of that communication that we were giving that we wanted to have on the audience. So what was the impact we were hoping to have? And then a very quick survey and we usually get, you know, at least half, if not more, of them back. And oftentimes we'll have something that we hand out. If they hand the survey to us, we'll give them something in return. But that's another way to get more feedback. And so when you're those are some more formal ways to know whether your break communications are working. And then as I mentioned earlier, the other way is are is there that poll? Are you starting to, to hear your messages that you've been putting in these emails or on posters or whatever method you're using, are you starting to hear some of those messages coming back? And are you hearing leadership using the phrases of your communication in other communications, in meetings, in different situations that you haven't prompted them to use them? Great. Well, you've touched on this, but um, what does breakthrough communication look like? Like, how do you know that it's? There? I mean, you've t talked about the mechanism, but what does the organization look like when it's happening? So, what does what does the organization look like when it's happening? So, um, I can I, we can talk about this in two ways. So, what are some examples of actual? methods or tools used in breakthrough communication. And then the other side, like you mentioned, is what's happening in the organization. Um, one, what, let me answer the second one first. What the organization looks like, and I think this is you know, a couple things I've mentioned, is that through your feedback loops, you are hearing positive. You're hearing back what you've been communicating. You're hearing that people understand the message that they're excited about. There's an excitement. There's a certain level of energy for this change. That they, um, what, what I think that it's almost a, what you're not hearing is something that you're going to be talking about in your next uh, webinar next week is the resistance. You know, there's, there's an, uh, an evident absence of the complaining, the, you know, drudgery around people talking about the change. If there's that energy, that excitement, there's interest, there's inquiry, there's curious. And even sometimes, even though you might get some resistance, some of that is a positive, oh, they're hearing the message, now they're starting to see how it's impacting them. Um, and so they're going right. to ask questions. Right. Gonna, you're going to hear that response. Um, it's when you hear 
to me, resistance is different from complaining. You know, if there's a lot of complaining and just the moaning and groaning about it, that's different than evident resistance. Because the evident resistance means that the organization is curious and they're starting to see, oh, this change is going to impact me. Help me understand, you know, if you've addressed this and if you've addressed that and have you looked at this or that or the other thing. And they're going to look at it from their own perspective. How does it impact me? Then, once they understand that, they'll look at how does it impact my team, my department, and then they can start to look at how it impacts the organization. And so that's one of the things that we have to think about as we're communicating is addressing those levels of how does it impact me, how does it impact my team, and then how it impacts the organization. I think oftentimes when we communicate, we look at the bigger picture first, and until they know the me they're not going to worry about the us. They're not going to worry about the, the we part of that equation. They really want to know first, what is it about me? And so, you know, the organization is getting curious. They're asking questions. They're, there's resistance in a positive way. They're, they're trying to figure out how does this impact them directly. Great. So how do you design breakthrough communication? Do you have steps that you go through or tools that you use? I do. I do. And I think that, you know, some of these are the basic steps of um, some of the change management work that I do. And some of them, I think, are not always leveraged as well as they could be. Could be. So I think the first step is to um, assess the audience. And to me, there's, there's a term that I learned in a change management methodology called black holes. And this is, to me, a key part of making sure that you understand all of the audiences and where there could be potential, um, what we call black holes. So the first step is to know everybody at the, the lowest staff level, at the, at the staff level of the organization who's impacted. And then moving upwards from there, who are all of the different managers and leaders in between all the way up to the organization where the sponsor would be. So if I have two departments that are impacted by this change and they both report up to one vice president, all of those leaders in between are potential kind of what we call cascading sponsors. So that first step is to really understand all of the different groups and to segment them into you know, the level of impact and the types of communications that they might need. The second step is to engage the Well, before you move on to the second step, I I just have to understand, what do you mean by black holes? Okay, so a black hole, I'm sorry, I didn't explain that very well. So when you're looking at the staff level of the organization and you move up and you identify who are all the supervisors and managers in between, you look at where might there be what we refer to as a black hole. So... um, in one organization, maybe five departments are impacted. And third level up from the staff level, there's a leader who you know in the past has not been supportive of just about any change. And so you identify that person could potentially be a black hole because if you don't get that person, anybody that reports underneath them is going to get some negative communication from them. They're going to get resistance and and complaining and, and certain things that come back. So if you're not addressing that particular leader and, and what you know about that leader's resistance to change in the past, you could end up with a black hole. Your communications may go there, and they may not go any further. They're just going to go into black hole because you have a leader who's not on board. Does that make sense? Right. Okay. 
It does. <laughs> Thank you. So then, sure. So then the second step is um, engaging with the sponsor, I always say early and often, and one of the key steps with engaging the sponsor is to assess their tolerance for transparency and seeing how you can continue to ease that to be more transparent. Because to me, one of the biggest keys with um, breakthrough communications is transparency. Being able to share with an organization, having the trust, the accountability there, where leaders can be and are willing to be transparent with where a project is, what's gone well in the past, what hasn't gone well in the past, how is this change going to be different or better, those kinds of things. So um, engaging with the sponsor on a regular basis and continually assessing their tolerance for that transparency and, and identifying what messages will they be willing to um, deliver versus other delegates of theirs and um, aligning with that sponsor and reminding them on a regular basis of their role and their part of that breakthrough communication um, plan. A third well, what happens if they don't want to be transparent? What happens if they don't want to be transparent or not transparent enough? Well, there's, um, there's a, a couple of different things you can do. I mean, you always have to work within the, uh, to a certain degree, the level of transparency that the culture allows. Um, in, in certain organizations, you can push from the bottom up and, and try to uh, and work at pushing the boundaries of leaders beneath that sponsor. If there's leaders beneath that sponsor that are willing to be a little more transparent, oftentimes you might find one or two who are. Um, I think then it takes time of working with that sponsor even more closely to help them understand what the difference will be in the impact of their communication if they're not transparent than if they are, and how this will engage their group in developing ownership at the very lowest levels of the organization, which is really what we're trying to do. We're trying to establish that ownership so that it isn't just the change team implementing this change, it is the mm -hmm. organization pulling for that change. Okay. Um, a third step that I, I think is the, one of the, the most beneficial and, and um, key parts of, of working on a, pro a change project and designing breakthrough communications is to establish an advisory team. And this is a, a small representative group of your target audience who will contribute to many aspects of the project, and one of them, importantly, is the communications. And this, this group will be, should be representatives of the target audience that are at different levels of the organization. So they can provide input to what, will, what terms, what verbiage, what phrases, what timing, what methods will resonate with each of the audience groups the best. And then using that group to review the community, help contribute to creating them as well as reviewing them for relevance to their particular peers. Then it's using that advisory group to determine what are the core messages that need to be communicated, and this comes down to, you know, have, has the team determined what's changing, what's not changing, because that's almost as important as what is changing. It's helping people understand what's staying the same. 
what are we moving towards? Right. Um, another piece, which is about this transparency, is if we've tried something similar before and failed, acknowledging that failure or acknowledging past failures in trying to, in trying to change, and how is this project, how is this change going to be different? Um, another one, along with those core messages, oftentimes I think people focus on the core messages, and one thing that go, should go along with that are core visuals. Um, what are the visuals that you can use with the team to really connect the, your target audience to the change in a visual manner? Our brain responds to images 60,000 times faster than to words. And in addition, we store those images in our long-term memory where text actually just goes sort of in one year and out the other because it's, it's, short -term, it's stored in short-term memory. And so finding ways to incorporate images into your messaging that will help connect the audience to the future state of the change, the benefit of the change, what the actual, you know, maybe some of the activities or processes that are going to be happening as a part of the change. Getting a core set of images that can be used over and over that will continually reinforce the messages that you're trying to communicate um, is, a, is a great example. Um, just to give you an example, I was working with a beverage company and they were switching to Travelocity business for their, um, tra for their uh, travel agency, their internal travel agency. And we created a, an image that we used on the website, in a poster, in our emails that had the Travelocity gnome in a bucket of ice with the beverages that said, traveling just got a whole lot cooler. You know, and so it's, it's finding something that relates to your business and that's fun and, you know, that can say, oh, yeah, that's travel. That's that new travel thing they're talking about. Oh, yeah, that travel, you know, we're going to Travelocity. You know, so it was a, using both logos as well as the, the product of the company to create a, 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 um, an image that people could connect to and that could be used over and over again. And that kind of goes into the, the next item is to find creative ways to get your audience's attention. I mean, everybody is just overloaded with emails. So how can you develop the communication plan that gets to your audience in different ways, whether it's through focus groups, whether it's through a town hall, whether it's through posters, whether it's through a water bottle that's left on their desk that has all of the statistics of the project and all the information of the project instead of the nutrition information on the bottle, you've got that information. There's all sorts of ways. And, and I think a mistake people make is trying to have one person establish all that. You know, one person does all the planning for all the communications. By leveraging that advisory team, you've got a whole, you know, plethora of brain power that you can leverage to create different ways of, a, of getting the attention of your audience um, in, a, in a variety of ways. Well, let's talk about then, that creativity element. Yep. Oh, yeah, are sure. there more steps? Well, but I think the well, last you one is, <laughs> yeah, I think, the, 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 you know, there's execution, obviously, and then what we talked about earlier, and I won't go into a lot of detail, which is to make sure that every one of your communications has some level of a feedback loop. How are you making sure that your message was actually heard? I think that's one of the key steps is that, is your message being heard and, and is the right message? You know, they may have saw your email. 
they may have seen your email, but they might not have gotten the message you wanted them to get from it. So I think that last step of, of creating those feedback loops and modifying as you go um, can be a, a way to, it's kind of that final step. Great. Do you want to just recap what those steps were? Yep, at a high sure level, just for if anyone's yep. taking notes, they they could check them off. Sure, sure. So the first one is to assess your audience and segment um, the audience into the different communication groups. The second one is to engage your sponsor early and often. The third one is to establish an advisory committee. The fourth one is to determine your core messages and your core visuals. The fifth one is to find creative ways to get your audience's attention. And then the sixth is to uh, create feedback loops and modify based on that feedback. Okay, great. Thank you. So back to this topic of creativity, because I'm curious about what are some of the ways that you infuse creativity into communication? Absolutely. Um, one of my core values is to infuse creativity into the workplace to improve performance and productivity. And, and I believe that creativity is an element that is far too underutilized um, and is, can be very impactful. And so I think one of the first ways to infuse creativity into communication is um, to add visuals that are aligned to the change and to the message that you're trying to get across. Again, because our brain responds faster to images than it does to text. It remembers the images better than it does the text. Um, having a, a catchy tagline that speaks to the benefits um, and to the, the organization, what the organization might look like in the, in the future state, a very short uh, catchphrase or tagline that people can remember that might be associated with that image. Um, a video if you know FaceTime on the iPhone or on um, different video capture is so easy to do nowadays that just doing FaceTime uh, testimonials, doing video testimonials of people who might be earlier adopters of the change and what impact the change has had on them, or people who are being in your advisory team involved in the project, what they see as the benefit. Because if you can get information from the peers, from the, their peers you're going to capture the attention of your audience. Another one is mm -hmm. um, to use, I've had um, different um, tools. We had messages. Uh, we were doing, creating a whole new building, and people were very you know, confused as to why they were create, having, you know, building this new building and who was going to be there and what, how were we going to get the services of that building since it was several blocks away. And, and so at the groundbreaking, they had jars of dirt, and inside the jars of dirt were little in bits of information about the project and money. Some people got, you know, 10 cents. Some people, you know, there were a few jars that had, I think, $50 in them. And so it was just a fun way to get information um, across to the audience. Another way I've seen is um, at a town hall meeting, they played a game of Jeopardy, I think it was, and or they had a... Um, I think it might have been Jeopardy. And the people who were answering questions, they, you know, they had to pull a balloon down 
And inside the balloon was information about the project and, again, money. <laughs> Sometimes money is a motivator, even if it's a dollar or, you know, $5 <laughs> or a $10 Starbucks yeah. gift card goes a heck of a long way. Um, so those are a few. I can share more if you'd like. Oh, that's interesting. So you use the that committee to come up with these kinds of ideas? Absolutely. I think that the more that yeah. this, I think that the advisory team is so critical because the advisory team is a group of people in the organization that you're trying to impact. And if they're, you know, when you can create buy-in from that group, they are gonna, they are going to um, take that back to their peers and take that back to the teams that they work on. And if they got to impact and influence the content. There's a level of pride and a level of ownership that starts to happen that then they start pushing and they start navigating the change and they start getting their groups um, engaged and, and getting their teams on board without as much work of the change team itself. Yeah. So what are some of the challenges with creative communication? I think one of the biggest challenges I mentioned earlier is the um, culture uh, is is there a, is the culture of the organization very closed? Is it limited? Does it keep everything very close to the vest? Uh, is there a lack of trust in the organization? It's very hard to have open and, and breakthrough communications when there's a lack of trust from the leadership on down or from the the staff level to the leadership level. I think this is one of the biggest areas is this ability to be transparent and this ability of the organization to and willingness to share, here's what I know, here's what I don't know, and then say, and here's what we're going to do, and we're going to get back to you and do these five things. And then if they can't do two of the five things, everybody gets very embarrassed. And, and so it's, it's just continuing to be honest and transparent. We said we're going to do these five things. We got three of them done. We still have two more to do. We're going to keep working on those until we finish them. So I think that that's one of the biggest ones is the culture of, of trust and the culture of transparency. And I think another um, challenge yeah. of infusing creativity into your communication is whether you're allowed to establish this advisory group. Um, some organizations will not let the change team have access to the target audience. They, they say they're too busy, leave them alone, just do the work, tell them what they need to do, and be done with it. And so it makes it that much harder for the change team to establish an understanding of what's going to work for that audience and what's the, relevant, what's the right relevant message if, if there's a lack of visibility or a lack of, of contact with that target audience. I think that makes it much harder, especially if you can't get them as an advisory team. For some people, they might look at creativity. If you mention creativity, they may see it as fluff or extraneous. Um, and so there is some yeah. work often that needs to be done to help them understand, and sometimes it's the research around why images are better than text, you know, that our brain responds to them faster, that, you know, they remember better, and, and helping people with some research because they need to see the science behind it and not just the excitement and emotional part of it. You know, there's, you know depending on the personality of the leader, they might want to know why is this going to work? Why, why should we do this this way versus the emails that we've always sent out? And they can, it can take a little bit yeah. more time. Sure. You know, there's more preparation. Well, and even you mentioned the culture. You, you mentioned the culture of the organization. Some cultures, if you get too creative, it's like too cheesy or too, you know, 
people cringe or roll their eyes or, you know, too exactly. fun, you know, <laughs> for yeah, some cultures. Exactly. So, yeah. Okay, yeah. well, we need yeah. to wrap this up, Dottie, but uh, where can we go for more information and resources? So you can, I can be reached at um, dottie.posto at gmail.com, and I can, I'm going to be um, posting some of this to my blog, which is um, Leadership Transformation and Change um, on WordPress. So those are two areas. And um, I'll be doing a webinar on the 11th on um, creating a culture of creativity and accountability on March okay, that's 11th. March 11th? Yes. Great. At noon central. Well, Dottie, thanks so much for being here. Oh, sorry. At noon Thank central. You. Okay. Uh, noon central. Yes. Thanks for being here. And coming Thank up next better. month on March 18th, uh, Jason Little will sh- join the show to talk about modernizing change management with agile and lean practices. So uh, see you next time. Uh, Thank you so much for listening to The Change Agent's Dilemma. If you'd like to find more resources to help you influence change in your organization, including individual coaching, team workshops, and upcoming training events, please visit Enclaria.com. Until next time, take care and best wishes for your change initiative. Using an overpriced trash bag. Pricey, pricey, pricey. A bag that breaks. Whippy, whippy, whippy. Or a smelly bag. Stinky, stinky, stinky. Time to switch to hefty, ultra-strong trash bags, always at an ultra-low price. There are best bags yet, and they cost less than Glad Force Flex were sold head to head. So you'll be happy, happy, happy. Hefty, ultra strong with Arm and Hammer odor control. Available at Sam's Club. Using an overpriced trash bag. Pricey, pricey, pricey. A bag that breaks. Whippy, whippy, whippy. Or a smelly bag. Stinky, stinky, stinky. Time to switch to hefty, ultra-strong trash bags. Always at an ultra-low price. There are best bags yet, and they cost less than Glad Force Flex were sold head to head. So you'll be happy, happy, happy. Hefty, ultra strong with Arm and Hammer odor control. Available at Sam's Club. Hefty, hefty, hefty.